My name is Sharon Clark. I want to start off in full transparency and say that I am not a professor, a biblical scholar, a pastor, a bishop, a psychiatrist, or a licensed counselor, but I am a Christian and have been so for six years, who has lived for a time on this earth and experienced some things. I'm continuing to experience some things. I've gleaned insights on some things that I pray will begin to enable those who have found time to listen to this material to get freedom of some things. In other words, gain deliverance of some things, which is not a one-time event, but a lifelong process and requires work on our part. I may not know where you are in your life, but the information that will be relayed is designed to enable us, I say us because I'm still a work in progress, to start the journey, if you haven't done so already, of getting free of hurts, habits, dysfunctional behaviors, and repeated negative patterns in our lives that could be keeping you stagnant, disappointed, sick, and grieved. In the process, my prayer is also, if you haven't done so already, to accept that there is assistance you can receive, if you wish, from the help of the one true God into your heart through a relationship with a divine being known as Jesus the Christ. Episode 5 The Covenant Divine versus Demonic Before getting into this topic, it would be helpful to define what a covenant is. Dictionary.com defines it as an agreement between God and his people, in which God makes promises to his people and usually requires certain conduct from them. In the Old Testament, which is really a collection of books outlined in the Holy Bible, God made agreements with Noah, Abraham, and Moses. In Strong's Concordance, which is another dictionary, a biblical dictionary, it states that covenants are a set agreement, having complete terms determined by the initiating party, God, which also is fully affirmed by the one entering into the agreement, which was the Hebrew Israelites. Much research has been conducted to, by many biblical scholars on covenants, but I invite you to do your own research in this area. There is also a great overview provided by Paul R. Williamson on this topic, which can be found online. My intent here is to provide an overview of the types of biblical covenants 
that existed or exist and are outlined in the Holy Bible. So many biblical scholars say that there are six covenants, some say seven. Safe to say that some of the covenants God made were with the nation of Israel, and the rest were covenants God made with mankind in general, and not limited to the nation of Israel. So the Adamic covenant is the covenant between God and Adam and Eve, and they were the first human beings that God created, outlined in the book of Genesis the first book of the Holy Bible, which I mentioned in an earlier episode, where Adam was to look after God's creation and refrain from eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. As long as he obeyed the covenant requirements, he would live. But if he were to disobey the covenant requirements, he would die. So that was the Adamic covenant. The next covenant is the Noahic covenant, The Noahic covenant was a covenant between God and Noah, specifically an obedient servant of God in the Bible and humanity generally. After the flood event outlined in the book of Genesis, God promised humanity that he would never again destroy all life on earth with a flood. And you can review the book of Genesis chapter 9 for the full story. God gave the rainbow as the sign of the covenant a promise that the entire earth would never again be flooded by him. Next, we have the Abrahamic covenant. In this covenant, God promised many things to Abraham, who is considered a founding father of the faith in God for the Hebrew nation. He and his wife were also barren, i.e. they could not have children for several decades. God personally promised Abraham that he would make his name great, that Abraham would have numerous children and that he would be the father of a multitude of nations. God also made promises regarding a nation called Israel. Another provision in this covenant is that the families of the world would be blessed through the physical line of Abraham. This is an implied reference to Jesus, the Christ, who would come from the line of Abraham. The next covenant is the Mosaic Covenant. So the Mosaic Covenant is an agreement that was made between God and his people, the Hebrew nation. The Mosaic Covenant was named after Moses, the man who God had chosen to lead Israel out of Egypt from slavery, and to whom the first Ten Commandments of God's divine laws were given. The Mosaic Covenant was a two-way agreement, meaning that both parties were responsible to fulfill a duty to the other the Hebrew nation were responsible to follow God's terms and conditions, and in return, God promised to abundantly bless and protect the Hebrew nation, provided they obeyed, of course. The next type of covenant is the Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant. So the Davidic covenant refers to God's promises to King David through Nathan, the prophet, And a prophet is one who God uses to speak. This can be found in the second book of Samuel, verse 7, and later summarized in the first book of Chronicles, chapter 17, verses 11 to 14, and also in the second book of Chronicles, chapter 6, verse 16, outlined in the Holy Bible. The Davidic covenant is a covenant God made with King David 
through which God promises David and Israel that Jesus, the Christ, would come from the lineage of David and would establish a kingdom that would endure forever. God does not place any conditions of obedience upon its fulfillment of this covenant. The promises rest solely on God's faithfulness and does not depend at all on David or Israel's obedience. Finally, we have the new covenant. So the new covenant is the new agreement and is the promise that God makes with humanity that he will forgive sin, i.e. the non-compliance with divine laws and restore relationship with himself for those whose hearts are turned towards him through the work and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ is the mediator of the new covenant and his life, death and resurrection is the basis of the promise. Since it is considered to wipe away all sin for mankind as a whole and bring humanity in relationship with the one true God, should humanity choose to accept this. So humanity has free will to accept this or not. So just as you can be in covenant with a divine being, pure in nature, with good intentions, the same can also be said of being in covenant knowingly or unknowingly with a demonic being, i.e. evil in nature. In my studies and research, I found it difficult to glean understanding on this subject. But a valuable resource that I strongly recommend and helped me remove the scales from my eyes was the book entitled Deliverance from Demonic Covenants and Curses by Reverend James A. Solomon. I'll repeat that. The book is entitled Deliverance from Demonic Covenants and Curses, and that's by Reverend James A. Solomon. So it doesn't take a genius to figure out that mankind has a self-destruct code within itself that causes us to behave in negative ways. In Christianity, this is called sin, which we believe is the source of suffering for mankind. So looking at a covenant with Satan. So if we look back to the account given in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve disobeyed God which caused them to eat from the forbidden tree and unfortunately allowed sin to enter the world. We also saw in that account how the serpent, i.e. Satan, cleverly and deceptively caused them to rebel against God's word, which brought separation between mankind and God. The presence of God therefore left mankind because God cannot dwell with sin. But I have a question to ask. Could it be that Adam and Eve's disobedience unknowingly led them to enter into a covenant or agreement with Satan? I.e. in that they chose to believe Satan with regards to what God had said about eating from the forbidden tree, as opposed to what God had said to them, the one who created them. And that this agreement effectively changed their destinies, their futures, and the destiny of all those born in that bloodline forever. Something to ponder on. But this unfortunate decision from that point in time until now has allowed the kingdom of darkness, led by Satan, to reign over humanity. Sin being the primary point of access in the spirit, soul and body of mankind. We can reasonably conclude then that anybody who lives in sin 
that is non-compliance with divine laws, God's laws, knowingly or unknowingly has parts of their being held prisoner by Satan, i.e. that they are in covenant with the kingdom of darkness led by Satan. It is important to note that the one true God is a powerful God and all power has been given to Jesus the Christ. So while God hates sin, he gives us free will to choose. He does not interfere in what people choose to do or how to think unless they willingly turn, i.e. repent and turn to him through the finished works of Jesus the Christ. So Adam and Eve's mistake shows us how easily our destinies and futures can be changed when we step outside God's plan and purposes for our lives. So there are many examples in which we can institute a demonic covenant, i.e. it's a covenant outside of what the Creator, i.e. God, wants for us, which can stay in force from one generation to another in the families of those concerned unless they are renounced or denounced or broken off of our lives and bloodlines. So I'm going to give some examples of the many ways that mankind can institute a demonic covenant. So number one, this can be done through occultic activities, and I'm going to list them. Astrology, astroprojection, black magic, card laying, channeling, clairvoyance, fortune telling, ESP, EST, horoscopes, mind reading, Freemasons, Ouija board, Satanism, Scientology, tea leaf reading, witchcraft, there are many more. Secondly, demonic covenants can, it is said by some commentators, be instituted through the womb. So it is said that evil spirits, invisible beings being evil in nature, can influence i.e. access the spirit, soul and body of unborn children where there is a shock arising from fear or trauma on the part of the mother, particularly where there is disagreement between the parents over the pregnancy. Spirits of rejection or abortion often enter during a pregnancy in cases where the mother's spirit rejects the child or the mother has feelings of personal rejection. Number three, there is Parental disobedience, parental disobedience. So where the parents do not walk in the ways of God through Jesus the Christ outlined in the Holy Bible, their home is open to evil access of the spirit, soul and body and their children usually grow up in rebellion. As the children grow up, there is nothing to prevent them from engaging in all kinds of immorality which can in turn bring about more evil in the core of their being. And before we have divination. Divination. And this is the act of giving false prophecy or seeking the will of God's small g through the spiritual realm by examining and interpreting signs or manipulating people by showing the past and trying to foretell the future through evil powers. Number five communicating with the dead, relating to the dead, can institute a demonic covenant. So cutting or shaving the front of one's head for the dead. In the Holy Bible, when someone dies, 
they were considered to be asleep, not alive. The Bible says, the Holy Bible that is, says the dead know nothing. They do not praise the Lord and their thoughts have perished. And they can be found, there are various references in the Holy Bible which reference this. If this is the case, who or what are people offering items to when someone dies? If they believe that those who are passed on are truly dead. Something to ponder on and think about. Number six, sorcery is another way that a demonic covenant can be instituted. So sorcery is an attempt to control and manipulate circumstances or people through the power given by evil spirits. Number seven, transference from other people. So the act of sex, the act of sexual intercourse outside of a marriage can bring about demonic infiltration as evil spirits can be transferred from one person to another. Number eight, wrong association. Wrong association can institute a demonic covenant. So in any occult organization, and by occult, I mean any system claiming to use or have knowledge of secret or supernatural powers. So that organization can transfer habits, behaviors to other people, either in ignorance or by choice. So admiring or doting or adoring members can be moved by the charisma of the authoritative individual, so much so that they begin to replicate or imitate all of his habits or her habits, personality, character, and appearance. This can take the form of having the same haircut, clothes, same speech, and this can open up people to the transference of those they are copying. Got to be very careful about this, very, very careful. So only gifted men and women of God under God's true leading need to hold firmly to the authority of Jesus Christ, his works, teachings outlined in the Bible. In my mind, only they should be allowed to assist a person with their deliverance, i.e. getting free. Demonic covenants are forged on altars, which I will speak on in the next episode. Therefore, once covenants are renounced or denounced, and the associated platforms and altars in which they were formed destroyed and dismantled through prayer, then one can begin to see some shifts and deliverance in their lives. In closing then, and review points for episode 5. Number 1. A covenant is a set agreement having complete terms determined by the initiating party, God, which also is fully affirmed by the one entering the agreement. Number two, there are many types of covenants which can be divine or evil in nature, which we discussed earlier. Number three, covenants, whether divine or evil in nature, has the power to change the destiny and future of an individual, positively or negatively, depending on the type of covenant instituted, unless they are repented of, broken or divorced from. Number four, Once covenants are renounced or denounced and the associated platforms or altars in which they were formed destroyed and dismantled through prayer, one can begin to see some shifts in one's life 
and get free of those things and the manifestation of such things. And finally, number five, it is highly recommended that assistance be sought from an authentic believer of the teachings of Jesus Christ, who happens to be a legitimate minister of deliverance. <laughs>